Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 148. Glaciers, bald eagles, panty for gold, and totem poles are just a few of the amazing wonders to see in Alaska while on a Royal Caribbean cruise. Cruises to Alaska continue to entice and intrigue guests who want to see what this outdoor playground offers, and on this week's episode, we will continue our series of episodes focusing on an Alaska cruise as we discuss the ships that visit Alaska, talk stateroom choices, and list the must-do activities while visiting this dramatic and diverse state. Here we go. Alaska has been a premier destination for Royal Caribbean for many years now, and it continues to endure as somewhere many of us dream of going someday. Glaciers, local culture, wildlife, and other amazing natural wonders are really what make Alaska such a unique destination. And this week, we're continuing our discussion of taking a cruise to Alaska as we look at all aspects of the experience. And joining me on this week's podcast is, once again, travel planner for MEI Travel, Stephanie Miller. Stephanie, welcome to the to the podcast once again. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Outstanding. We had a great time talking Alaska last week, and we brought you back on to continue that discussion. And we actually, if you just recall, Stephanie, last week we asked some of our listeners to send us some questions about their experience, their questions about, well, taking an Alaska cruise on a Royal Caribbean. And we got some really good ones to start off with. So let's, let's answer those, and then we're going to jump into a whole new area of discussion for this week's episode. How's that sound? That sounds great. Awesome. All right, let's start off with an email from Ed who writes, Matt, have been really enjoying your show, and it was not in not a small factor in my decision to depart from the mouse and try Royal Caribbean for the first time from a family's cruise to Alaska this summer. We'll be sailing on a radiance of the seas out of Vancouver, going to Seward in a few weeks, so I'm pretty well locked in. But you asked for Alaska questions, and I thought of a couple that still might be of benefit to me this summer. First, radiance itself. While I expect the trip to go well in terms of exploring the rest of the fleet in coming years, so is there anything in particular to the radiance that I should make sure to check out while on board. I understand the ships of a given class are pretty similar, but I figure they must each have some nooks and crannies that make each unique. Let's let's start right there, and I can handle this one in terms of Radiance of the Seas. Radiance is a wonderful ship, of course. She is the namesake of the Radiance class, and being a Radiance class ship, Radiance of the Seas offers really, I think what what it's best at is offering views of the ocean, and well, in this case, you're going to have great views of Alaska. The ship has a lot of glass in it, and what that means is you're going to be, no matter where you are in the ship, you know, walking down, in, in, you're in the centrum, you're in one of the bars, there is great views, the elevators especially, fantastic views out looking out. They really built the ship to do that, and because of that reason, it really adds, I think, a, a lot of great appeal, because not only is it is a smaller ship, so it's a little more intimate, but it also allows you to really see where you are at all times. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like the polar opposite of the Oasis class, whereas the Oasis class is a wonderful class of ships. But boy, there's not many sea views from inside the ship, you know, especially in public areas. But the Radiance class is really the uh, the the opposite of that, and I and I think that's really uh, going to Alaska. Boy, I can't, I can't think of a better uh, way to do that because you've got that that amazing uh, opportunity there. Uh, yeah, they say to take your sunglasses. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, definitely a good thing to check out. Um, there's also so, what I love about it. How about the outdoor dining area in the Windjammer? So every ship, of course, every Royal ship has a Windjammer. But in the back of the Radiance class ships, they have, actually have an outdoor seating area, which is a must-do. It's a gasta. you got to go out there, and, and whether you're having breakfast, lunch, or dinner, whatever meal you're having, or afternoon snack, morning snack, 
11.30 snack, as I call it. And whatever the case, take take your food and walk outside to the back of the Windjammer because there is beautiful seating. And in Alaska, I can only imagine what it's like. It might be a little cool. Bring your jacket. But the views are, are certainly the best. So make sure you check that. This is something that the Radiance class really does well. And while we're talking about views, the... Uh, the helipad is something that's available on Radiance class ships, and so on Radiance in the Seas, you're going to want to make sure you go to the helipad anytime, really, especially for sail away and sailing in when you're arriving in a port, because it's fantastic. 270 degree views, you're only really blocked by the ship superstructure behind you, but it's one of the best spots on the ship in order to see uh, you know, where you are at any given time. I really love it. So that's really a, uh, some, some big ones. You've got some other cool things. Like, uh, Radiance class ships have the self-leveling uh, billiards table. It has nothing to do with Alaska, but hey, it's still kind of fun as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it's, it's a great ship to be able to, uh, to explore. And it's been, there's a reason why Radiance and her sister, Radi- sister Radiance class ships have been doing Alaska for so many years. Uh, it, it's just, it seems like it was built for this purpose. Um, and the other question Ed has is, second, I know this is objective, but given the stops the Radiance makes, what's the number one thing, can't miss, most Alaska thing you would recommend for an excursion? Once again, enjoy the show, keep the great work, and having fun. So, Stephanie, what do you think? The What's the number one, can't miss, most Alaska thing you would recommend for an excursion? And, well, we're going to talk about excursions, Matt, but I think, um, for me... I think of what I can't do anywhere else, and it would probably be, let's just kind of say price isn't an option because this is the once in a lifetime. I would do the helicopter onto a glacier with the dog sled because that's, to me, that's what I think of with Alaska. That, that's, that's just like the Grand Prix of Monaco for Alaska, right? That is the thing to do. That is the most Alaskan right. thing to do, right? And, it, and it's the Facebook pictures. I mean, you got to do it. It's the Twitter. It's the come home and look what I did, Alaska excursion now i think you kind of alluded to this but it can sometimes more often than not be canceled due to weather it can it really can but you know you can do you could go in the next port if it's canceled in one port the next visit you could sign up for another helicopter tour so you can keep trying there you go next we have an email from chrissy this isn't so much a question it's just some some helpful information i love it chrissy writes just thought i would chime in with a little of our experience in alaska while our cruise was not with Royal Caribbean, it was one of the best cruises we've ever been on. We sailed out of Whittier, Alaska, down to Vancouver with stops in Ketchikan, Juneau, and Skagway. If you're an outdoors enthusiast, Alaska cruising is for you. In terms of weather, we sailed at the end of June through July 4th. The weather was great, nice and sunny during the day, and a little cooler on the, out in the water and at night. Most of the times, we got away with jeans and a shirt, but definitely pack something heavier just in case. I don't recall having a problem with bugs, so we must have been out during a different time frame. The most amazing shore excursion we did was a canopy zipline tour in Juneau through Alaska Canopy Adventures. The tour included 10 ziplines, and they were all from tree to tree, several hundred feet up in the air. It happened to be 4th of July, and there were bald eagles soaring all around us. It was incredible. We also did a downhill biking adventure one day and a walking tour that involved uh, panning for gold and another. The panning for gold wasn't nearly as exciting as I thought it would be, but it was still interesting. We also took a train tour one day that provided incredible scenery, but I wouldn't spend more than half a day on a tour like that. The towns are very conducive for walking around, and the most important thing to do is to visit the Red Dog Saloon in Juneau. It is right at the end of the pier, and you must get, I'm quoting here, duck fart shots. Have you ever had duck fart shots? I have not. I have not had that. That's a reason to go back. That was a thing, but okay. (laughs) Only on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, people. 
Uh, so Christy continues, I can see the importance of having your own balcony on an Alaskan cruise, especially on the days where the ship is sailing through Glacier Bay. It can get quite crowded in the public areas to view the glaciers because the ship stays so close to shore in Alaska, you'll have a scenic view most of the time while cruising. In this case, I definitely think it's worth splurging for a balcony. I hope this helps some people who are considering an Alaska cruise. We have sailed in many different parts of the world, and this cruise remains in my top three. I don't remember anything about the ship we sailed on, so that must tell you the destination is more important than the ship. While it has a completely different vibe than a Caribbean cruise, I don't think anybody would regret taking a cruise to Alaska. I love that email. Yeah, it was great. What what resonated? Did you agree with most of what Christy was saying there? Yeah, I think she's. That's exactly how I feel. She summarized Alaska perfectly. Great, love it, Christy. Thank you so much. Next, we have an email from my good friend Ken who writes. Uh, well, the bath just got a little more crowded, and all the lines have just returned except for one. On a side note, listen to the Alaska podcast last night on the way home. I've done one Alaska cruise so far, but it was with Celebrity Solstice, awesome ship. The one must-do was a balcony. The excursions are expensive, and I'm looking forward to my August 17th Alaskan cruise in a virtual balcony money-saving tip. Love it. Good. Like it. Thank you, Ken. We have another question, and it is from Tony Scalar of Sacramento, California. So excited you're doing a podcast on Alaska. I've been to Alaska once in 2015 on Princess, and recently I booked another cruise in September 2017 on Explorer of the Seas. I booked this cruise being that I'm a fan of the Voyager-class ships, and it's, it's a round trip from Seattle. We booked a virtual balcony stateroom and got the best of both worlds, a low price, and a quote-unquote balcony view. I have a question for you. Do you ever think Royal Caribbean will place a quantum-class ship in Alaska? How awesome would it be to be in North Star overlooking the glaciers or having an amazing panoramic view from 270? Matt, you should book a group cruise to Alaska. I will surely book that one. Keep up the good work. All right, Stephanie, what do you think? Not about the group cruise. I, <laughs> I would love to do that as well. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think about a quantum class ship in Alaska? you think it could work? I think they're too big. And I don't know the rules on the, you know, I'd have to pull the, the lengths from the Coast Guard or whoever has those, you know, the port authorities. But I'm not sure quantum fits into the fjords. That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, of course, if this were three years ago, I would have told you Voyager class ships in Alaska. Are you crazy? Those can't fit in there. Well, right. They are. Um, I think there's there's a couple considerations, right? One is the the physical size of the ship. You're absolutely right, Stephanie. Especially getting into the reason why smaller ships have always gone over there into Alaska. Partially, the reason is because the the ports are smaller. And also the the big sell, the big awesome thing to do, obviously, is go near those glaciers. And and we talked about this last week, right? That some ships have there's there's only a certain amount of space. You can't move the glaciers around if you want to get to mm-hmm. Hubbard or uh, icy point, icy straight point, icy point straight. Which one is it? Into the in icy into icy Tracy Arm Fjord. Yeah, there you go. Whatever. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Those you know, there's only so much space there, right? And you can't just send any any old ship in there. Um, and then there's also emissions. In the west coast of the United States, they have more stringent emission standards than elsewhere in the country and around the world, for that matter. So, obviously, a bigger ship is going to have a larger carbon footprint to it. And Royal Caribbean does a great job with it. They've been installing a lot of the uh, scrubber technology to help cope with that. But that may be a consideration as well to, uh, when, when we're talking about all that. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I would love to see it from just a from what everything that Tony was talking about, right? North Star, T-70. I love that idea. And obviously, right. quantum class ships I'm a big fan of. But I'm not sure it would really work from a, uh, you know, from purely the... Um, 
harmony to Alaska. I don't right, see it exactly. fitting. <laughs> I just, yeah. And you know, the, some people don't realize, but even the sound noise, there's restrictions. So when you're up topside in the fjords, the, the big screen televisions and all the announcements and things are turned off music, outside music. It's all dead silent. It's kind of, it's interesting because you notice it, um, how quiet it is. Mm-hmm. I had no idea about that. That's something I learned something today. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's start off with our. Now that we, those emails were great, thank you so much for everyone who sent those in. And let's continue our discussion that we started with last week's episode. Let's talk about the ships that sailed Alaska. It's, we were just talking about quantum. It's a perfect segue. Uh, talk about the ships that sailed Alaska and their amenities. And there are two that Royal Caribbean offers, at least as of the recording of this podcast. You've got Radiance of the Seas and Explorer of the Seas. Now, Radiance of the Seas is your traditional Alaska cruise ship, and what I mean by that is it's uh, in terms of size. Uh, Radiance of the Seas and some of her sister ships have been offering cruises to Alaska for a couple of years now. And uh, being a Radiance class ship, she's a little smaller. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot anymore. It used to be back in the day, uh, you know, when we were talking about a Radiance class ship, you're saying, well, you're going to compromise on amenities and things to do on board. But Royal Caribbean has revitalized Radiance of the Seas. And you've got plenty of us on board restaurants now, activities. I, it's a great ship. Probably, arguably, one of the best ships that Royal Caribbean offers to Alaska. And I think, again, I'm not an Alaska aficionado, uh, but I get the sense, Stephanie, that Radiance is the preferred ship. Is that just, maybe Maybe it's because of tradition, right? Tradition. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think and I think all the glass. I mean, I think it just lends, like when you can go in the elevator and see out, I think people like that. Absolutely. I think that that's a big part of it uh, when when you're talking about it. I think again, it, there's a there's when you're talking about Alaska cruises, those, those that size of ship, that radiant size ship, is kind of what a lot of people consider and, and assume, and that's always been what's been uh, happening there. So it's it's kind of interesting to see what uh what what that goes. In. But what I'm really excited about, and granted, I am a I, I self-diagnosed big ship fan. I love the big ships. Explorer of the Seas is brand new to Alaska, starting this year. And this is really interesting to me, Stephanie, because you get the big ship, you, you get the flow rider, you're getting virtual balcony staterooms, you're getting the restaurants, you're getting our bar, you're getting the outdoor movie pool, you know, you're getting, they added a lot to the ship. Ice skating, I, actually, it makes sense to have ice skating for once on a Royal Caribbean ship in, in, in Alaska, but you get right. all that, and you still get, you still get the Alaska experience, and to me, this seems like a really intriguing an exciting blend. I love this idea, and it seems like Royal Caribbean is uh, committing to this. It's not only just here in 2016, but looking forward in 2017, Explorer will be returning as well. Um, what are your thoughts, kind of stepping on when you're talking about the ships and considerations? Not, not say we'll get to the statements in a second, but just uh-huh. from the ship standpoint, what to do on board? Do you think? What? How do you view them? Well, I think Explorer is a great stepping stone to get the families going, and then you also have that linked with the fact that the that you don't have to have the passports out of Seattle. It's an easy port to get in and out of. Um, so to me, it's it. If I'm a family of four and I'm, you know, the cash flows a little less. I'm thinking, gosh, I want to go to Alaska. I actually want to take my kids. I don't want to wait till I'm 80. You know, maybe that's a great way to do that. You know, you go hit explore the seas, and then if you love it and you want more then you could go on the next step, which would be the north and the northbound or the southbound to get more of what you love, you know, instead of a one-time bucket list, it turned into a two-time bucket list. Absolutely. I like it. 
So let's talk about the, the cabins. And this is the age-old question, Stephanie, the most important question people ask about <laughs> going to Alaska. How important – do I need to get a balcony? How important is it? Is it, you know, is it, is it something that I absolutely positively should do? Is it, is it an old wives' tale and that is just something that the industry used to say, but these days it doesn't really matter? What's your take on someone who comes to you and says, do I need to book a balcony for my Alaska cruise? I, I say yes. I would definitely get a balcony. There's something to be said about the smell. There's something to be said about the, the temperature, the cool air, the feel, the fresh air. And there was always something to look at. And the, you know, the email talked about the bald eagles. You can see them from your balcony. You can see the eagles on them. You can see like little golf balls in the, in the trees. Um, that's their heads. You can see the seals on the icebergs, you just look down and, you know, there's seals eating dinner. <laughs> it's a little bit National Geographic going on. Um, it's, it's fantastic. And I just think of what I might miss if I didn't have that balcony. That's the problem, is you would have to just be outside up on deck all the time. You, yeah, and that, that was my question. If you don't get a balcony, if you go for an inside room or even maybe an ocean view... Does, I mean, how much are you compromising? Is it just that you're, you're going to feel like, as, as obviously a seasoned Alaska cruiser, Stephanie, that if you didn't do a balcony, you'd feel like you're missing out, like there's something they see all the time, or is it or is it something different? You might not know better, so it might not completely stress you out. You know, now that I've done it, I think I would be disappointed without it. Um, I liked sitting there. You know, I'm up on deck. You know how sometimes you have to stand to see over the railings because they're high and then they're not always totally clear. Um, it's just that feeling of I just wanted to sit there for and literally for hours with binoculars, with cameras, with looking and saying, look at this, look at this, look at that. Talking to the people next door. I think there was rum moving back and forth or whiskey at one point. But it's just it's fun. Um Wait, where was the alcohol flowing? I missed that. It was from, from balcony to balcony. It was like we were handing it around the the dividers because it's well, it's funny because it's cold, right? So instead of wanting beer and stuff, you were drinking. We kept ordering coffee for room service and putting, you know, warming that up a little bit. Um, you know, so I guess what don't not go to Alaska because you can't afford a balcony. Don't not go. Still go. But just if you can swing it, if you know, if you can skip that three night Caribbean cruise one year to add on to the room in Alaska, then do that. Let me ask you this: this and Ken, I know in our email earlier brought it up, the virtual balcony. So on Explorer of the Seas, they have something called the virtual balcony. For those who are unaware, of what it is, it is an interior stateroom, so no no view. But they've added uh, to the room a a uh, eighty inch. LED television that has high definition views of outside. It's really cool. I've seen this on Quantum mm-hmm. of the Seas, Navigator of the Seas, Anthem of the Seas. It is phenomenal. I stayed in one on Quantum. I loved it. It was beautiful. Clear picture. Amazing picture. And obviously you get, as Ken alluded to, you, you pay for the inside room, but get it a balcony experience. And you're not getting the smell. There's no smell of vision as Stephanie alluded to earlier. And no one's passing you bottles of booze, evidently. <laughs> but... <laughs> But other than that, is this... Oh, I think it's a great alternative. Okay. And I would pay... I mean, you know how you price those those over an inside, you know, an M or whatever. I would definitely... 
as an agent say, hey, if someone asks for an M, I'd say, by the way, you know, just for this much more, we can get you that virtual balcony just because the experience would be better. You know, so I would definitely look at it and see what's cost effective. Okay, it makes sense. Now we talked about the ship. We talked about the staterooms. The other big thing is, of course, the ports of call and shore excursions. And mm-hmm. we, we did an episode actually with Stephanie talking about the uh, shore excursions specifically. That was kind of the, the highlight in the previous episode, not the one last week. Episode 147, we kind of talked about when to go. Uh, but then we did an episode 94, and I'll put a post link in the show notes to all of these. If you're saying, what? what? What number was that? Don't worry about it. It's all at RollerCaribbeanBlog.com in the show notes. You can check that out there. But in episode 94, we talked about basically we went port by port. It was like, you know rattling off machine gun style. Stephanie, what's there to do in this island? But let's talk about, or not island, port of call, but let's talk about the, the, the excursions with the biggies, the, the Alaska, the must-dos, kind of if you're looking at it, because I, you know what? As someone who's never been to Alaska, I'm going to be honest, Stephanie, I find it a little daunting because I don't know where to start in terms of excursions. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to be the guy who books the wrong excursion because I didn't realize, oh, everyone, you're supposed to go to this place instead. So what are the right. talk about? Let's talk about the the popular ports of call and the shore excursions. Uh, what really highlighting the must dos? Well, okay, on the general round trip, you know you're going to be in Juneau, Skagway, Ketchikan. So you're going to have three Alaska ports to to do things. Now, this is kind of obvious. You don't want to go helicopter, helicopter, helicopter. You know, so part of it is looking at your bucket list and thinking, what do I really want to do in Alaska? Some people really want to go you know, on a helicopter, so that's one thing. Some people want to go on a dog sled. I need to warn people, there's, there's two kinds of dog sled excursions. One is where you go visit like a summer camp, and then one is where you actually go and visit them on a, a glacier. So one's not going to be necessarily all snowed in and on sleds. It's going to be more of like, look at the cute puppies and... And this is where they live and they practice. The other one is going to be a helicopter landed on a glacier and you got to drive a sled yelling mush and do that. So, but they come with different price tags. So I was looking on World Caribbean and just to give your listeners, you know, a good idea. The dog sled on the glacier is 614 a person. 614. Wow. All right. So it's a lot of money. So that's why when you go for just with your spouse, you might do that versus taking the family of six and spending $3,600 on an excursion. So just something to consider. And that's why sometimes you make these decisions the way you do. Um, however, you know, it would be fabulous. You can also just adjust to the helicopter for four seventy nine, dollars um, And you can go see the dog sleds. The one I was talking about in the summer camp was like $159. Um, then there's other things... In Juneau, for example, I and this is what I did. I went up to Mendenhall Glacier, and we went on a hike up to Nugget Falls, where you go. It used to be the base of the glacier, but it's receded, so it's not as close. But it is just amazing, and it was $46. Oh, wow. So, no, it's really not. So what I guess I'm saying is you have to really look at your budget where you want to spend the money, and then, you know, what means the most to you? What Are you going to go again? Is this the once in a lifetime? You know, everyone has a different answer to those questions. Um, Skagway is where you can go on the railway that your listener was talking about in the email. It's $129. I tend to agree it's a long – I don't want to get off a ship and sit. 
That's my personal preference. I'm off the ship. I want to move around. So I tend to do things that are more active. She sounded the same. Um, if Royal Caribbean doesn't offer the tour, you can go to someone like Shore Trips, which is a third party, and they might have other excursions. Like I was looking today, they have a whole uh, group that are in Haines, which is 40 minutes away from Skagway. So you would take a catamaran to Skagway, um, from Skagway to Haines, and then you have a whole other list of shore excursions available. Um, it's kind of cool if you want to get out of that touristy area and go more to like earthy Alaska. I don't know what you would call it. There's not exactly a diamond store in Haines, okay? You still have those in, in Ketchikan, Skagway. Um, and then fishing. I think to me, I think of salmon fishing and halibut fishing. I don't know. Some people say you can still fish in the Caribbean, but to me, I still think of fishing in Alaska. So for me, that's a big item. It was like three sixty nine a person to halibut fish. Um, we talked about this a little bit last last week, but if you go to those cities visitor boards, you can find you know local, you can book those direct too. You can get a private fisherman for the day, kind of like you do your taxi driver. You know, it's the you find your guy, you find your person, and then you know you have their boat for the day. I think you can find that prices can be a little lower, and then you're not in a shared excursion. So that, like, let's say there's not salmon right there. The guy might go, well, let's go over here. There's halibut. Well, that's fine if there's four people deciding. But if they're on those excursions, they kind of have to stick to the the playbook sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I kind of like doing private stuff sometimes. So be sure to look at that as another alternative. Um, I, I don't know. You, I was going to ask you uh, one thing that came to mind was, of course, families with children. Uh, first of all, if you're going to Alaska with children – call me crazy is this a mistake no we had all of our kids we had three kids and a grandma and a grandpa who'd never been on a ship before and everyone did great we did split up a little bit so so i went to the lumberjack show with grandma and the youngest where everyone else went fishing and did i miss the fishing trip yeah but did i still have a great time sure with my daughter and my mom you know what i mean so you take you just you divide and conquer and everyone's happy and comes back and tells their story so it worked out great. Um, I think you've got to be a little careful of the, sh- of the shore tours that are like uh, the history of or I mean, if it's totem poles for three hours and you're six, that might get really boring. <laughs> so just know your kid. And in a lot of these towns, you can walk in. And I mean, my kids, they're like big trains and old things to look at. They like exploring. My kids like hiking, too. So that was fun. Lots of stroller accessibility. So, uh, so. of course, it's we've been talking for about 20 minutes now, and I'm already hungry because, you know, that's how I roll. So let's talk about food in Alaska. What <laughs> the, what's the what's the must-do food? What is Alaska known for? I have no idea. I mean, I, I'm assuming – Maple syrup, but that's like Canada. I don't. There was no. There was crab legs everywhere. So it's crab legs. The crab legs. Yep. And then salmon, and then you know the ship has their big fish cook nights and things like that. So that's kind of fun. Um, Gosh, and in the ports, there's just all these like little saloons and taverns and cool T-shirts. That is another thing you've got to do. Okay, it's not just another port with junky stuff to buy, okay? It's cool stuff, like, you know, like jokes about Alaska and, like, things with, 
Uh, what's the plural of moose? Moose? Mooses? Okay, I was going to say that, moose, so I'm just putting it out there. I don't know what I... Moose-eye? Uh, moose-eye. The moose-eyes. Um, <laughs> so lots of cool stores that I really liked walking in because they were different. It wasn't the same old thing, you know, that you see everywhere. And I had fun shopping. Nice. I will point out, I was looking at Royal Caribbean's website, and Royal Caribbean actually recommended something for kids... Uh, they call it the Totem Bright Scavenger Hunt and Canoe Adventure, and essentially it's a combination of you're going to now you, you know you mentioned the totem poles earlier, but this is uh, <laughs> kind of like more of a scavenger hunt rather than like on the left side we right. have the 1940. You know, it's not like that. Uh, it's more of a scavenger hunt, and then they do a a, a canoe ride uh, in a 20 person native style canoe, and that seems to be something that Royal Caribbean thought was good for for kids for families. Uh, in general. Yeah, and the kids all do the painting for gold and think it's fun. I mean, the parents know it's kind of cheesy, but then the kids love it. And it was the same thing with the Lumberjack show. I mean, it was a little bit of a shtick and cheesy, but the kids just are yelling and on a team. And you know what I mean? And that's why you go as a family, because you want to see your kids happy. Absolutely. What do you, what's your, I know my answer is it depends, but in general, but in Alaska, do you tend to gravitate towards excursions that Royal Caribbean offers, or excursions through third-party operators? I would say, I you know, Royal Caribbean actually has a lot, and I was looking at prices, and they were pretty consistent. So, with the exception of the private boat, which was a lot less if you did direct, you know, there's a gamble there. There's always a gamble because it's not you know you got to know make sure that they're trusted. Um, so, if you have a referral, that's great. But um, I think Royal Caribbean does a pretty good job. Nice. Um, the one thing I, I was—I brought up the food thing, and you mentioned crab legs, and I totally forgot that on readings of the seas, Royal Caribbean traditionally actually changes up. They have a specialty restaurant called uh, Rita's Cantina, which serves up Mexican food. But mm-hmm. when readings of the seas is in Alaska, she actually transforms to become uh, Rita's Crab Shack. So instead of offering Mexican, you get well, I'm assuming crab legs and things of that nature and uh there's i'll just post a link in the show notes to some photos from uh last year uh, our good a mutual friend of ours uh stephanie deb uh, wills sent me photos of this nice there. and yes. uh, you get there's uh, king crab bucket crab legs chunky seafood seafood chowder uh rita's alaskan salad surf and surf burger i wonder if you still crab legs in a margarita <laughs> <laughs> nothing says alaska yes i love it <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'll post a link in that uh, in our show notes to the uh, photos of the uh, Rita's Crab Shack transformation. And I expect that to happen still on this year. Can't imagine why they would change it up, but yeah, that's something to look forward to. So, good stuff, Stephanie. Thank you so much for all the information here. I know. Now I'm going to go book something. <laughs> I, I hope that's the idea. I hope somebody is inspired. <laughs> to, uh, I am inspired, so my husband might get mad when he sees the deposit go. But such is life. That's what you know. What I always say, Stephanie. Yolo, book it right. You exactly. Better to ask for forgiveness than permission. You're, you're, exactly. you're the what? You're the wife. You don't get away with anything. I, I yeah. Research. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for helping us out here and talking a little Alaska on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thanks for having me, Matt. With Stephanie mentioning how much she wants to now go on an Alaska cruise, it got me thinking about I got to remind everybody about our upcoming Royal Caribbean blog group cruises because that's real the next best thing. We're not going to Alaska yet, 
But we are talking about going to many amazing destinations with you in mind. The Royal Caribbean Blog Group Cruises are a simple idea. Let's go on a Royal Caribbean cruise together. I want to go on a cruise, and I want you to join me for it. Literally, every single one of you. I've considered all of you my friends from day one. If you listen to this podcast, you are my friend, because we both love Royal Caribbean, and we both love talking about Royal Caribbean. And so it's natural to take the next step of let's cruise together. Let's go on a cruise. Let's have fun together. Let's explore these ships and amazing ports of calls together. And that's where the Royal Caribbean blog group cruise ideas were born. And we've actually got three coming up here. Uh, Freedom of the Sea, September 4th, 2016. Navigator Seas, February 17th, 2017. And Harmony of the Seas, September 16th, 2017. All three of these are going to be incredible adventures for very different reasons. They are I am super excited about them all. We've done two group cruises so far. One was on Quantum of the Seas, the other just on Allure of the Seas back in February. And I gotta tell you, I had such an amazing time that it has now not it, it has certainly changed my outlook on cruises that are not group cruises because I really loved cruising with all of you and I want as many of you as possible to join us for it. So consider this your formal invitation to come join us for one of these group cruises. You can get more information about all of our group cruises over at royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events, royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events. Of course, I will post a link in the show notes to our events page so you can get all information about it. You get a no obligation quote. It's completely free for any of these. And the best thing you can do, honestly, is book these in advance, put a deposit down, lock in your price now while the prices are still low, and that way you buy yourself some time to make the final decision, figure out what you want to do. But I'm telling you right now, these are going to be amazing experiences, some really fun places on even more amazing ships. So you got to check them out, realcreamblog.com slash events for more information about that. All right, speaking of you, I want to answer your emails. That's my favorite thing to do. And of course, if you want to answer, or if you want to send me your email for me to answer, you can do that. Send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Love reading them. And we'll start off with an email from Patrick Ritz. Matt, my name is Patrick, and I've been following your blog for a few years since I had taken my first Royal Caribbean cruise on Allure of the Seas in 2012. I really appreciate your blog, especially because I know now I'm not the only person absolutely obsessed with the Royal Caribbean. <laughs> Since that, I cruise typically two to four cruises per year. I thought I might have needed to see a doctor or something, but I see it's a relatively normal thing. Anyway, I wanted to send you an email in regards to the 10 drink cards I ran into on Adventure of the Seas on my February back-to-back sailings. I'm not a huge drinker, and my girlfriend isn't either, so we never come close to justifying an alcoholic drink package. We usually opt for the Coca-Cola package. However... We decided to go with an $85 10 drink card that they offered on day four, I believe it was. We hadn't even gotten halfway through our cards when we asked the bartender if we could use it on our next sailing. He, we absolutely could, and we did not without a problem. I think these 10 drink cards are great for those that drink more moderately and don't want to feel forced into drinking to get your money's worth. I figured it would be good to inform these consecutive cruisers out there that the 10 drink cards can be used on their second leg. Thank you so much for your podcast and blog, Matt. It's the only thing that keeps me going between cruises. It was always enjoyable to read about others' experiences on their cruises, and I feel much better knowing I'm not the only one going mad waiting for the next cruise. You're extremely informative, and your tips are incredibly valuable for the obsessive cruisers like myself. Keep up the great work. Patrick, thank you so much for the email. Love it. And I agree, man. I loved having the 10 drink card. The, for those who are unaware, on certain sailings, on certain ships, Royal Caribbean offers drink cards. They'll usually appear, as Patrick alluded to, about halfway through a cruise. And they are basically little punch cards that allow you to get, you pay, I think, I think it was $80 on my Navigator of the Seas cruise, but 85 for Patrick's. Anyways, same basic concept. You pay a fixed amount, and you get a card that you can get in exchange for drinks. So, 
In my case, it was $80 for 10 drinks. That breaks down to $8 a drink, which is an amazing deal because most drinks, especially cocktails, uh, run usually between $10 and $12 per drink. So you're easily saving money right there. And uh, I loved it. Um, now, it's hard to ever know if it's going to be available. Royal Caribbean doesn't publish it in advance. Basically, what happens is the revenue manager on board your ship at some point, usually about halfway, will look at how this guest spending is. And if it's a little on the low side, they offer these drink cards. Now, there's, again, no way to know what's going to be on your ship. No way to predict it. It just kind of happens. And quite honestly, it seems to be only on some ships as opposed to others. But you never know is what I'm trying to say. Keep your eyes out for it. Basically, the way you'll know it's going to happen is at various bars around the ship, you'll see signs that say, hey, you can buy a drink card. And then all you have to do is just talk to the bartender or waiter or whatever, and they'll sell you one there. Now, it's interesting, Patrick, you mentioned that they told you you can use them on consecutive sailings because I'm pretty sure on my card on Navigator the Seas, it said in the fine print that it was for that sailing. Only, granted, I wasn't on a consecutive sailing. I didn't try. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, to know about it. A lot of the waiters were... They knew what it was when I showed it to them, but it wasn't like second nature like the drink packages were. So maybe there's a little bit of a loosey-goosey nature to it. I'm not sure, quite honestly. But I would plan... I mean, the great thing about the drink card is that you can share it. Unlike the drink packages, you can share your drink card with... You you know, I can share it with my wife. I can share it with my friends. I can buy other people drinks with it. And from that standpoint, it's very easy to get your value out of it and really break even on it. So to me, I agree. It is a no-brainer. And if I ever see one on another Royal Caribbean ship, I will definitely be buying one because for us, it made total financial sense. Next, we have an email from Mark Hennessy, Mark and CT on Twitter and the blog forums. Thanks for putting the podcast up on Google Play. As a T-Mobile user, I can now stream the podcast without hitting my data limits. As I type, I'm listening to your Navigator of the Seas podcast. Enjoy Cinco de Mayo at Sabor. With my oldest starting college next year, I doubt I'll be able to cruise anytime soon, so the podcast helps this scratch that itch, or maybe it makes it worse. But it has been a year since we've sailed on Oasis of the Seas, and I'm getting a serious case of cruise envy. Mark, thank you so much for the email. And yes, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this, actually, because uh, we are now on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. is available on Google Play. I know that for many years, Google and Android phones didn't offer a native option to listen to podcasts, but now Google is offering this. So if, you're an, if you have an Android phone of any kind, check the Google Play Store. The Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast is there, and now you can listen to it very easily. There's plenty of other places you can listen to it, you know, via the apps you've been listening for years. But if you want something else, or if you're kind of new to this, you're listening on your computer, good news, you can listen on your phone. And uh, I'm glad that that's working out for you, Mark. You're welcome. Very, um, and I'm happy that you're enjoying the podcast. And Mark, you got to book another cruise, man. As, as I uh, as I told Stephanie, YOLO, book it. You got to make it happen. Make it happen. Next, I'm I'm just an enabler. That's all I do here. <laughs> Next, we have an email from uh, Matt uh, Walters. I'm sailing on Oasis of the Season December. It's gonna crown loft suite. First time in a suite. I know there are perks for being a sweet guest, like not needing reservations for shows and purchasing for my my time dining. Can you talk about some of the other perks sweet guests get? Are there any secret perks? Matt, that's a great question, and you're asking at the right time because Royal Caribbean actually just redid their their sweet program. It's now called the Royal Sweet Class. It's only available on Oasis and Quantum Class ships. So if you're selling on ratings of the season, you're still getting some perks, but it's not to this level. Uh, that we're going to be talking about here because it's it's something there. The ships that we're talking about, the Quantum class and the Oasis class, can handle uh, these kinds of um, amenities to offer these kinds of things. So it's kind of something that's a little 
different there in that regard. So nothing wrong with a suite on another class of chefs, but something to keep in mind. That this is what we're gonna. Be, what I'm about to talk about is just for suites on the Oasis and Quantum class ships. Now you're saying in a Crown Loft suite, and Royal Caribbean has broken down the suite amenities, suite perks in three different categories star class sky class and c class your crown loft suite is going to get you access to what's called sky class that's the middle ground essentially and you get a lot of different perks so what do you get for the sky class you're going to get coastal kitchen access each guest booked in the suite will receive complimentary voom internet on one individual device of their choice you'll get exclusive concierge access a suite lounge Exclusive signature activities, exclusive suites beach access, one-day thermal room access. Uh, I'm going to butcher this. Lacatane. It's a it's a shampoo brand. Bathroom amenities, <laughs> luxury pillow top mattress, and bottled water. It's pretty good considering that you know the Voom Internet Access alone is going to cost you you know twenty some odd dollars per day. So that's going to save you some money right there. The, I mean, the concierge access is pretty nice. That suite lounge is amazing, quite honestly. Uh, having access to the concierge service to help you with things like the shows makes a really big difference. The one-day thermal room access is really nice. That's So, you know, it's as much as you make of it as anything. It's almost like the suite access, the perks you get for staying in a suite are a lot like the perks you get for being a Diamond or Diamond Plus or Pinnacle member in Crown Anger Society. It's what you make of it. Are there, you have access to a lot of different things, but it's really up to you to take advantage of them to get your money's worth out of it. Uh, but it is definitely a very, very cool thing to do. I think you're definitely doing it up right there, Matt. I, I'm jealous. I would love to do to, to check that out on an Oasis Clash and be able to check out these new um, these new perks because, quite honestly, they are really impressive. And now that Royal Caribbean has redone them, I think it's going to add a whole lot more than maybe you would have experienced had you been doing this exact same sailing a year ago. So. But Matt, please do me a favor. Email me your thoughts when you get back about what it was like and whether you're going to do it again. Next, we have an email from Sarah Sgrove06 who writes, Hi there, I just listened to the podcast and I've heard a lot of people ask about the dining packages and being worried about getting a specific restaurant at a specific time and about it working out. Maybe this isn't how it's supposed to work, but when I was on Alert of the Season in February or March, we were celebrating our 10th and 10 year anniversary, and I wanted to have chops on our anniversary evening. So as soon as dining opened up, I made a reservation for the time and place I wanted. As time went on, my husband and I decided we probably would want to try Izumi and Giovanni's table. We went to Izumi on embarkation day as soon as possible, and they let us buy the three-night package while not touching the reservation I had made in advance. We went, on, went, went ahead and made Izumi reservations for night one, and they helped us make Giovanni's table reservations for another evening. They charged us the total three-night package price and then credited our account with, with the $80 I had prepaid for chops through the cruise planner. So like I said... I don't know if this is a normal option, but it seems like it would be a good fit for someone who maybe has one specific night they really wanted and were flexible on others, or maybe this is a super obvious observation and I've just been misunderstanding the podcast. Sarah, I think actually this is you just stumbled upon an amazing tip, and if, I don't know, again, if this is fleet-wide, you can do this all the time, if it's just an embarkation day, you can do it on day two, but it sounds to me this is a great idea for someone who wants to, like you said, you have an anniversary, you definitely 100% want to dine at this restaurant at this day, at this time, but you want to take advantage of the dining package. The dining packages, of course, are an option where you can book three, four, or five night dining packages on your Royal Caribbean cruise that essentially allow you to get a lower total price as opposed to buying those restaurants individually. The The caveat to that is that Royal Caribbean says, well, you're not going to be able to pick your restaurants for times until you get on board the ship. And it sounds like from Sarah's experience here, on at least on alert of the season, that she was able to book the package on board the ship and 
be able to retain the reservation she had made previously. And I think you did it exactly the right way, going on day one, embarkation day, going as soon as possible to about it and book it and make it happen. Hey, it sounds like it's great. And it makes sense. I mean, quite honestly, Royal Caribbean loves making – they, they'll gladly take your money. And they're always looking for that onboard revenue. So certainly I think you did the right thing. And hey, if this is a pro tip we just stumbled upon, I love it, Sarah. Thank you so much for emailing me. All right. We got time for one more email, I think. And it's from Tim from Marshallsville, Ohio, a.k.a. Bayou Steelers. Right. So wife and I are selling an adventure of the seas in June. We're looking at the cost of the photo packages for the cruise. We're finding the cost anywhere from $299 and up. Can you do some research on photo packages? We'd like to know what the cost would be at the beginning of the cruise, what's included, and any specials on board during the cruise for pictures. Tim, great question. I know a lot of people struggle with this. I do too as well. So photo package is something where you basically say, okay, I'm going to lock in a price and I'm going to get X amount of photos and frames and some other things. There are various packages that are out there. The thing with the photo packages is it requires you to take enough photos that you're going to get enough photos you want to get back in it. As a family of four, we typically don't do the photo packages because we usually find, you know, there's, we don't, we take, I, I don't want to say we don't take a lot of photos. We don't, we don't take a ton of photos, but we also don't skip the photos altogether. I'll be honest. I don't love any of the photos that we ever take at the dinner table in the main dining room. I always kind of cringe at them. I'm like, all right, I'll take the photo, but I know I'm not buying this photo, whatever, because it never comes out really nice. And it's not really, I don't know. I don't really want a photo of myself sitting at a dinner table. Like the, now on the flip side, I love the photo uh, setup areas they have, you know, those, the, there's the white background, which are great for the kids, the, the different backdrops you can do all around uh, the restaurants and, and public areas on the ship. I love those. But I think in terms of photos that actually come out well and what our budget is, you know, we're usually okay with somewhere between two and four photos. That usually does it for us. So the packages don't work in my case. But if you're going with a large group, Tim, if you're going to, or if you're really photogenic, or if you love taking those photos, like when you get off the ship, you're always posing with those people, then a photo package can really save you money. It's really a question of how many photos are you going to take? How many do you think are going to come out really well? And how many photos do you actually want? Maybe you're okay taking your own photos. Because the whole photo thing, quite honestly, is a bit of a relic from the old days of cruising when this was the way to get photos, professional photos done. That being said, they do offer tremendous value in terms of professional photos are professional photos. I mean, if you walk around my house today, you will probably find a majority of our photos that we have of our family our cruise photos that we've taken on various ships. We love them. I absolutely am not. <laughs> I am not slamming them any, but I love them. I think they're really nice. They're a little pricey. The an av- one photo on its own will cost you about 20 bucks. Um, so you're, it's not like it's $5 or something like that, but they do add up obviously in different sizes. You get different options. There's a whole lot to include. There are specials on board because of course, one of the things Royal is going to want to do is if you didn't buy them before, well, they're going to want to entice you to buy one of the packages on board the ship. And you have a certain amount of time to exercise that option within, again, depending on how long your sailing is, that'll depend on how many days you have to decide. And there will be specials on board. I think the lowest possible cost is still going to be if you buy it in advance before your cruise, uh, especially if you want, there's like a CD option where you can buy all the photos. You can down, they just could put on a, on a CD for you. I don't know if it's a CD or a DVD these days, quite honestly, but it's on a disc. You take it with you. It's probably a, should be a thumb drive. Anyway, I'm digressing. Um, and, and you get a copy of them all digitally. And then, you know, you can go to your favorite place, Walmart or wherever, and print photos for like, you know, pennies, right? Now, granted, when you're doing something like this, it's going to be the most expensive option because Royal Caribbean doesn't know how many photos you're going to take. So they're giving you kind of a healthy price that is just between, you know, not too cheap that it's a no-brainer, but not too expensive that no one's ever going to buy it. 
So it kind of depends on you, Tim, in terms of, you know, how many photos you're going to take. I think it really behooves larger groups. If you're sailing with, you know, it's you, your family, your parents, your cousins, maybe you're there for a wedding, you know, something like The more people you have, the more you want to include, you know, more people there, I think the more likely these photo packages will make sense. For me and my family, it doesn't make a lot of sense, or at least not right now. I, mean, should, I reserve the right to change my mind as we move forward, but I think it depends on how many photos you're going to take, and again, how many you're going to want to take home with you. It's not, a, I don't want to say it's a gamble. It's just a, it's a bit of a guessing game in terms of what that's going to work out to. I think though, Tim, when I'm telling all this, if you're saying, yourself, yeah, you're nodding your head like, yeah, we've definitely got enough people. Yeah, we, t- we love taking these photos. They're perfect for you. If you're the kind of person who skips every single photo booth that you ever see, obviously the packages are not worth it for you. Also keep in mind that outside of the photo packages, the Royal Caribbean Crown and Anchor discounts, I'm not sure what your status is, Tim, in Crown and Anchor Society, but you do get a discount on photos, individual photos, through Crown and Anchor. And for us, that's helped, quite honestly, knock down that price uh, to buy those individual photos, you know, the two to four photos per cruise, where it's fairly affordable. And we've, we've been happy with that uh, decision. So to each their own, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. But good email, Tim. I really appreciate the thought and something we really haven't talked about on the podcast before. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thank you so much to everybody who sent in an email. And I want to hear from you. If you've got a question, a comment, a thought, a suggestion, a tip, maybe you're like Sue and you discovered something. Maybe you're like Christy and you have some great short excursion ideas. Maybe you're like Tim and you have a question about something. Whatever's on your mind, hey, let's talk about it right here. Email me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.